Well, Merry Christmas. Would you join me as I pray for our time looking into this text? Our Father, I am grateful that you are a speaking God. Jesus, I am thank you that you're thankful that your name is Emmanuel. You are with us. And as we gather here on the eve of the celebration of your birth, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, the miraculous and mysterious ways that you bring us true, lasting wholeness and peace. Prince of Peace, come and meet with us. Reveal yourself in all of your glory and beauty. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We all know, do we not, that anxiety and fear are realities that are felt in the body. When anxious or fearful, it registers in our physical frame. It's different for different people. It might be that it shows up in your shoulders or your chest. Sometimes it's a shortness of breathing, but it's physically present with us in moments of great anxiety. So much so that my Garmin tells me it can put a numeric specific number on my stress. Some days I'm like, Garmin, you don't know me. Who do you think I, like sometimes it'll tell me I'm really stressed. I'm like, I'm not that stressed. It's been an experience lately that when I lay down at night, I, it's a, my nightly routine is I'll check the stress when I get into bed. Last night it was 81. That sounds kind of high. But then I take a few moments to breathe, to invite God to come and to hold me and to be with me. And it's kind of this experiment to be like, what does my garment actually pick up on? And last night I got from 81 to 21 in four minutes. Hmm. I think in many ways, what we're on a journey to experience in Isaiah chapter nine, as we come to the culmination, the, the kind of the final installment of these four names of the Messiah is this recognition that one of the realities that the Messiah was stepping into the world to deliver was the transformation of that physical experience of anxiety and fear into something different. He's come to bring wholeness, shalom. The name that is used of him in the Hebrew is Sar Shalom, the ruler or the leader that is uniquely situated to bring wholeness and calm where previously we have felt short of breath and weighed down. One of the beauties of Christmas is that as we look at this little baby in the manger, what Isaiah is going to tell us is that he uniquely has the authority to deliver peace. Peace for you and for me and ultimately and globally to all men as the angels proclaimed, to all those that see and respond to him. And so in our few moments today, what we're going to do is we're going to explore what does it mean that he brings peace and how does he do it? What does it mean that he brings peace specifically in this text and how does he do it? Well, first off, what does it mean? It means two things. It means two things, and the first is this. It means that he will dismantle all heaviness. All of the things that we wear that feel like they're pressing us down, he breaks them apart. 
Let me show it to you in verse four, all the ways that he's talking about the heaviness that's pressing on you even now that presses on the people of God throughout history. He says it this, and this way, for the yoke of his burden, the his here is the people of God, for the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his presser, you have broken as on the day of Midian. What he's saying is that The people of God have real pressures. And there's those series of words that you see there, yoke, burden, staff, shoulder, rod, oppressor. Interestingly, four out of the six words have a connotation that's talking about the shoulders. The yoke is for the shoulders, the burden is for the shoulders. It says the rod is on the shoulder. So the idea is that these people have lots of heaviness pressing down upon them. We know that Northern Israel has a legitimate force of a foreign enemy that is surrounding them, but there's all the pressures along the way that are pushing them down, the heaviness. It looks in many ways like the oxen that a yoke pulls. You know, this idea of when an oxen is locked into its yoke, this is what it looks like. He's saying it's the, the yoke is pressing against them. Now, I want you to think about the experience of the ox. Head down, yoke pulling as he moves forward. Here's the farmer that's directing his movement. Now, that ox doesn't have the space or the ability to say, "Um, excuse me, this yoke is chafing a little bit. (laughs) It's kind of heavy, I'm tired. No, the ox has one option, to keep its head down and keep moving forward. Just keep plowing. The, the yoke that is on the shoulders of God's people has started to weigh down. And this is the idea that that's the picture in many ways, is it not, of, of being human in a broken world. Each of us has things that we came in here carrying today. They sit on our shoulders like a stack of bricks. We feel it physically. The need for peace that feels slippery, like it's working through our fingers. It can be medical diagnosis or confusion. It can be relational tension. It might be the time that you're gonna spend with family later today or tomorrow. (laughs) You know, that's not always easy and sometimes it feels a little heavy. You see, the world is shot through with brokenness and difficulty and as a result, it's not easy. And this Messiah is being introduced into this context of heaviness, saying, I've come to dismantle the heaviness, but not just that, I've come to melt all of the fears, all of the things that are looming on the, on the forecast, not just the things that I'm carrying currently, but my potential to catastrophize and assume it's always going to look and feel this way. Look at verse five as they're considering the enemy that's surrounding them and what they might do and the way they need the Messiah to interact with it. This is a statement of their fears in many ways and waiting for something to happen in the future tense. It says, for every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. They're awaiting the day when the the enemy that is at the gates will be dealt with. And, And there's an articulation here that has a, it's shot through with fear with nervousness. These people are situated by the, surrounded by the Assyrian army. And what they say is, we can almost hear them marching. We can hear the boots that have been strapped on as the enemy marches violently towards us. 
It sounds like an earthquake. That word for battle tumult, that word is used at other places in the Old Testament to mean earthquake. It's shaking. We are nervous. We know that there is danger on the horizon. There is a fear about what may be coming their way. And the truth is that even as we carry the weight on our shoulders, we are good at also catastrophizing about what we hear might be coming. We've done this since we were kids. To all my, to all my little friends in the room, I'm so glad to have you here today. There's a lot of things that can generate fear for, for a little child. I know that when I was a kid, and I know that for my own kids, the closet door and the darkness at night, that can get you, can it? It's, it's like this picture. It's just that sense of like before it went dark, I was confident that I knew the lay of the land and everything was fine. But once the sun goes down and I'm tucked in bed, all of a sudden the crack in the closet door becomes very ominous. It's this idea of, of the fear that might be waiting around the dark corner. And we're the sorts of people that can fill in the unknown with all sorts of things. So at my house, sometimes it's one or two or three or four trips in. Uh, that has happened over the years when, when there's fear around, what, around what's around the corner. Now that's true for little ones and we go, well, certainly we grow out of that. But I think honestly, <laughs> I'm not sure that we do. Maybe the object of the fear is a little bit different. It's not just the cracked closet door anymore, but we're good at catastrophizing and filling in the unknown gaps with all the things that might be marching towards us. All the ways that we assume the heaviness that's right now on my shoulders, it's always gonna feel that way. It's never gonna get better. It's gonna get worse. What's gonna happen with my child? What's gonna happen in the future? What about all the unknowns? And as a result, we're the sorts of people that if we were honest would say, living in a broken world, peace is slippery. What is always introducing itself to us, always pressing in on us, is the weight that's on our shoulders and the potential that's out on the horizon making the ground feel like it's, like it's shaking. And interestingly, this text is really about warfare. What he's saying is I need the garments rolled in blood to be burned. And so even if we go from just our childlike fears to the personal fears that we carry, and if you zoom all the way out on the global front, which this seems to be talking about, the sort of peace that this Sar Shalom can bring, we all of a sudden realize that there's, there's reason for fear there and the ways that we tell the story as well. Coming to the end of 2023, there's seven wars that are ongoing on the planet right now that, that claimed the life of some 200,000 individuals over the last 12 months. That, when you meditate on it, you think about the different conflicts, it's like, oh, that's so unsettling, wars and rumors of wars. And this week I was introduced to something I didn't even know I was supposed to be fearful about, but now I kinda am. I listened to a podcast about Space Force, not the Steve Carell Netflix special, but like the military, the division of our military. You know, that was constituted four years ago. And the reason is because global enemies have identified that for the United States, the quote unquote soft ribs of the US are in outer space. It's where our satellites are. That if those were taken down or damaged, our ability to communicate or know what's going on would be really dangerous. And so this is, a, this is an artist rendering. This is not really happening. But I found myself this week after listening to this podcast going, ah, 
I have childlike fears that I carry personally, but when I zoom out to the global, there's just, there's endless ways to start going, man, I didn't even know that I was supposed to be worried about things happening thousands of miles above, but apparently there's lots going on up there that we're trying to manage. And I'm going, wow, living in our world from cracked closet doors to like the sci-fi dystopia that people want to tell us about our future. The question becomes for us as human beings is how do we tap into and walk in the peace that we, we talk about, that, that the Bible promises. And this text says that this Messiah has come. He has come to make all that makes your shoulders heavy break apart. And all that makes your future frightening, he will burn to the ground. And it raises this question, well, how? Verse four, everything that weighs me down, you will break. Verse five, everything that causes my fear, you will burn and put an end to, you will melt away. And then you're like, all right, tell me, how does this work? And it takes the most wild, unexpected twist in verse six, when you're ready and on the edge of your seat saying, yes, God, do it. Break all of my anxieties, melt all of my fears. Verse six, four, to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given. Each time I read this text slowly through, I feel like, have I, did I take a wrong turn at verse six? Did I miss something? That the Messiah is promising to move in these ways, to heal in these ways, to come. And it says that he is going to come like a child and the government's going to be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7 goes on to say, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. It seems unexpected that the answer is a little baby laying in a manger that has just been licked clean by the tongue of a cow. You go, why this? This humble, lowly answer. Is this really the answer to all that weighs me down and all that frightens me about the future? You see, the beauty of the story of Christmas, (laughs) it's that Jesus shows up gently quietly in the place of your anxiety and fear he comes and he settles down if you allow him if you welcome him in the same way that he did in his very first arrival you see when I was a kid I grew up in the in the northeast for a significant part of my growing up and I remember living in Connecticut just outside of New York City and and one of my favorite things was going to bed when there wasn't a a flake of snow on the ground and waking up the next morning and opening my blinds and it looked something like this. It was always my favorite to go, look at what happened silently while I was sleeping. Everything is blanketed in a pure, perfect white covering. You see, in many ways, Jesus' initial arrival was like this, like a silent snow that happened while everybody was asleep. The whole world missed it. The ultimate halo mission is he left heaven and came and landed in the lowest of places and said, put me in the place of anxiety, of fear, of poverty, of heartache. I will land there. And then he moved slowly at the speed of relationship. 
He moved powerfully by the power of love. It was almost as if the snow melt turned into a river that started to course slowly through life. And as you watch Jesus move, his kingdom doesn't show up like a lightning strike. It didn't at the first, and it doesn't in our stories either. It shows up like a gentle river moving through the landscape. But as we all know, moving water coursing through the landscape is powerful and unstoppable. It breaks down even mountain faces and rock cliffs. It reshapes the landscape. And the love of Jesus moves slowly through the gospels. And we start to see this one that came as a baby moved with love and tenderness in a way that was powerful and unstoppable. It's like a river that moves, reshaping the landscape of all that it touches. Here's one of the spots that's on my bucket list. This is in Idaho. This is the Snake River. Anybody ever been there? Show of hands. Yeah, Idaho doesn't usually make the list for whatever reason. I think it ought to. You see, that snow melt, that crushing, powerful, glorious snake river that has reshaped the landscape, has carved valleys in the mountains and arrives at its termination point with a glorious thunder, that's a silent snow melt from the hills. And it changes things as it courses through the landscape. Listen, when the love of Jesus shows up gently and humbly in the place of your anxiety and your fear, and it starts to weave its way through your life, it does spectacular things. To that Gibraltar of bitterness, his loving waters begin to erode and reshape. To the mountains of anger, to the valleys and the ravines marked by unforgiveness and darkness. It's the love of Jesus that comes and what he says is, I am the Sar Shalom. I will bring peace and wholeness. And what we know is that the thundering, overwhelming waterfall of his love and grace was finally tapped truly, not just, not just at the manger, but ultimately at the cross. Because this Prince of Peace, the one who can bring ultimate wholeness, was actually enveloped by the anxiety and the fear and the brokenness of the world. It swallowed him. It pinned him to a tree. He bled and he died. And it says that in those final moments in the garden that he was twisted, he was undone, he was coming apart. It was the opposite of peace. Listen, the Prince of Peace gave up all of his peace so that in his resurrection power, he could extend it to his children. He could say, my rivers of love will flow into your heart if you will allow them. We will go on a journey that is slow and patient. My kingdom looks like leaven. It looks like a mustard seed. It comes in silent, unseen places. But as you open your heart to my spirit, I will course through your life changing the landscape. And one day we will arrive at the glorious termination that is the thundering beauty and glory of all that he is revealed to all the world. This is what we wait with anticipation for. Jesus is coming again. And we, his kingdom people, want to be in the flow of his character running throughout history as it touches and reshapes our lives. You see, we gather at Christmas to celebrate this fact. Right there in the midst of your heaviness, right there in the midst of your fear, like a silent snow comes the little baby saying, I want access. Will you welcome me in? I will move slowly. I will be patient and gentle and lowly. 
but the power of my love is unstoppable. It will reshape every, every coordinate of the landscape of your life until one day you experience the beauty and the fullness of his glory and his coming again. We revel in this truth. The Prince of Peace has come. Wholeness is available. Will you welcome him in? Let me pray for us. So gracious God and Father, we thank you for your love for us, for your willingness to send your son into choppy waters, into enemy territory, into dangerous places, knowing that his peace would be sacrificed, that he would be anguished in soul. You were so committed to the adoption of your children, to each of us that have come to love and trust Jesus. You were so committed to our peace. You were willing, you were willing to do that. We rejoice in it, and we pray that we would rightly celebrate the Prince of Peace this Christmas season. Jesus, we welcome you. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done on our behalf. Would you come and dismantle all of our heaviness and melt all of our fear? Amen.